News, politics, and special guests with a Texas twist. That's the goal of the Luke Macias Show. Our nation and state are at a crossroads, and if you're not informed, you're not equipped to make the change that our community needs. Join the conversation and join the cause for liberty today. Guys, our sponsor for today's show is Patriot Academy. PatriotAcademy.com. You have heard me talk about this organization, but um, this truly is, for many students, a life-altering event. Um, I cannot tell you how many 16, 17, 18, 20, 25 year olds that have gone to this leadership program and come out with a, an entirely new direction for their life. You can go to patriotacademy.com to find out where they do these events, but essentially they take these students and they go through a week of being a legislator. They actually debate in the in the Texas House of Representatives, in the uh, Delaware House of Representatives, Idaho House of Representatives. It's an incredible experience. I have been involved with them. I believe in what they do. In fact, if you contact them and tell them that you heard about them through the Luke Macias show, I will contribute toward your uh, fee of actually attending. If you know a student that needs to go, that needs direction for their life, they're going to have an opportunity to learn about worldview, about free market economics, about the values that hold society together, and they're going to have an opportunity to be equipped to be a part of making the change that our community, our state, our nation need. So patriotacademy.com. We're grateful for their willingness to sponsor this podcast, and we also want to encourage each and every one of you to check them out. Please do so today. Welcome to episode 41 of the Luke Macias Show. Thank you so much for tuning in real quick. Um, we want to cover Jeff Younger. I want to give a, a full update. Some of you probably saw the little update we gave the day that the court made its ruling, but for those of you who listen either on YouTube or on one of our podcast platforms, want to give you an opportunity um, to know what's going on with the Younger case, uh, give you an update on Drake Pardo, which is the massive CPS scandal that has come about. The uh, Texas Homeschool Coalition and other conservative groups are spearheading that effort to try to get uh, Drake home and uh, succeeded. So we'll give you just a, a brief update on that. And then we're also going to talk about uh, kind of wrapping up, when I say wrapping up the Dennis Bonin scandal, uh, wrapping up the Dennis Bonin portion of the Dennis Bonin scandal. But also taking a second to talk about the lingering issues that remain regarding the culture of Texas government and whether or not people are going to actually react to this um, in a way that embraces the needed growth and healing uh, regarding the, the political state of the Lone Star State. So uh, real quick, Jeff Younger, um, guys, the court ruling was a massive blessing. It was a huge success. Um, you know, I think there are those of us who, who know that the ultimate success would have been uh, the jury uh, realizing that a mother who desires to mutilate the genitals of her minor child, a mother who conspires with other adults against her three-year-old son to try to convince him that he is a girl um, and brainwashing that child is the definition of child abuse. Um, but the court did not go that far. In fact, the court, the jury actually ruled against giving Jeff sole conservatorship. Um, many people thought that that would automatically gain Jeff's wife sole conservatorship, thus giving her the ability to fully transition her now seven-year-old son who she's been psychologically transitioning since he was three years old. Just to give you an idea of what the timeline would have been, uh, 
there were definitely evidence that made it look as though uh, she was planning on transitioning him around age nine when it comes to puberty blockers and uh, giving him chemical blockers to prevent him from ever hitting puberty in his entire life. And then for many of these children that are in this same program, because James is just one of many, uh, he would begin to have uh, potential genital mutilation as early as 15, 16 years old. So uh, the judge overruled the jury, and this is a liberal Democrat judge. And so we are so grateful uh, that the judge decided to instead reverse and give both parents joint conservatorship. And what she did was she granted Jeff uh, our, our understanding is that she granted him medical and psychological uh, rights as well. Um, now, a lot of these details have really yet to come out, and so there's a lot of just what is being publicly reported, and that's what we're bringing to you um, because a gag order was placed on Jeff. And so Jeff cannot talk to the media. Uh, he can't make public comments. And so we're left to just kind of talk about what we know is out there um, and hopefully at some point that gag order will be reversed and we will be bringing that to you because that's really, um, you know, abridgment of his First Amendment rights. And that is something that has to be dealt with. But here's the good news. I mean, from what we know, uh, what we have surmised, uh, James uh, now cannot be on the path to gender transition because the judge said that both parents... Um, have joint conservatorship. So both of them have to be on board with treatment or counseling if it's going to happen. So there won't be uh, treatment to you know, push James towards what Jeff uh, wants or what his mom wants. And so what this means is that that treatment will cease and James will be allowed to do what he is biologically supposed to do. What science will just make happen on a natural way. And so the reality is that that's a huge win for James. It's a huge win for him uh, long-term with his life. At the end of the day, I ask that you continue to keep James in your prayers because uh, this is a long road to hoe, and this child has been in a very difficult situation, and things don't change overnight. And uh, he's going to have some significant enduring trials before him. And I just, I've lifted him up in prayer personally. And I just ask that so many of you would consider doing so as well. But the case could have gone much worse. And Jeff gaining the ability uh, to, um, you know, intervene and prevent some of these things is a good thing. So um, Drake Pardo was also returned home. We kind of had a, a one-two punch in the courts this uh, last week for conservatives, which is a really good and exciting thing. But uh, Drake Pardo was the child who was wrongfully removed from his parents' house. Um, you can go back and listen to several of our episodes on the Pardo case and CPS to gain an understanding. We recently had a conversation with Senator Bob Hall where he also went through those details. So I encourage you to go back and look at that. But the Texas Supreme Court issued a stay and... Uh, ordered CPS to return Drake home. And this is just a huge step in the right direction. Um, they basically said that CPS had prevented, presented no evidence that justified Drake not being at his parents' house. Um, this hopefully sets things up for them to also issue a ruling that not only puts CPS in their place, but maybe sets some precedent for what CPS can and can't do when it comes to just deciding to remove a child without 
probable cause without a real reason. Um, and so that's a huge blessing. And for those who are following this parental rights issue, it's definitely something that you need to keep following and uh, look at what the Supreme Court does do. And hopefully uh, we have a unanimous ruling with judges all siding on the side of parental rights. So we'll keep you up to date on that issue. And now Dennis Bonin. So Dennis Bonin is not running for re-election. Um, and I think all Texans kind of breathe a sigh of relief, especially Republicans, especially conservatives who, um, have watched this scandal unfold and seen clearly, um, a willingness on the part of Dennis Bonin and Dustin Burroughs to just deceive people, to lie to people in an effort to maintain their own power. Um, this is something we're all susceptible of. So don't think that you're above um, them, I think we are all capable and able to decide to choose deception to maintain the place we're at, the position we're at, the relationships we have, whatever it is. It's just a good lesson and reminder that honesty is a really important thing. And honesty is an incredibly important thing to expect from our leaders. And what's really dangerous is when we have leaders, elected officials, who actually don't find a problem with deceptive practices from their colleagues. So Dennis Bonin, when he announced that he wasn't running for re-election, did a very strange thing. He was leaving and he wanted to make it clear. I should actually pull this up while I'm, let me actually find this. Um, let's see. I have another one of his statements here, and I apologize. Y'all have to bear with me for just a second while I pull this statement up. It's not on his Twitter. He didn't actually tweet it. So if we scroll down, I don't, well, guys, maybe this is it. So, the statement that he released um, said, I'm going to read you the first sentence and second sentence, right? Since Friday, I've had numerous conversations with members who care deeply about the Texas House, and I respect the manner in which they have handled this entire situation, they being the members that he evidently has had conversations with. My below colleagues have made it clear that it is in the best interest of both myself and the House to move on, and I thank them for the respectful and thoughtful way in which they have convinced me to do so. Now, you might think at the start that he's just talking about the many conversations which he's had with many different members. And we actually know from multiple statements of other members of the House that came out publicly before this statement was released and said, Dennis Bonin lied, Dennis Bonin uh, tried to deceive all of us and the rest of Texas. He should not hold the second most powerful position of elected office in Texas. We know from those members that they called Dennis, that they talked to Dennis, that they told him they thought that his actions were unbecoming of the second most powerful elected official and that change should happen. Okay, So you might have thought, well, maybe he's just talking about the conversations he's having. But then he goes on to list the members by name that he is referencing, meaning these members that I'm telling you I talked to and these members that I will give credit for me deciding not to run, I'm going to name by name. And he lists 43 members. And ironically and intentionally by Dennis Bonin, these are all the men and women who did not publicly give their opinion prior to him making his decision. Um, and some of these members were actually telling other legislators the day before 
that there was no way Dennis Bonin was going to leave, that he would remain speaker. These are the same members, many of them, not all of them, but many of them who were making phone calls days leading up to Dennis Bonin being ousted, trying to whip people and keep people in line to keep this regime in power. And so Dennis Bonin specifically wanted to make sure that people knew these are the members. And he lists 43 members of the Republican caucus intentionally removing people who had told the public what they thought about Dennis's actions and had said, this is not reflective of the character that we expect from our leaders. My hats are off to those people that took a strong stand and made it clear what type of behavior we should expect as a society, as a culture, as the Lone Star State from our elected officials. It's sad that Dennis Bonin tried to specifically, even in his last act as, you know, a speaker, it's not his last act as speaker because he's still there, but tried to punish anybody who had the courage to speak out. We have public officials, not private, in Texas. Uh, my state representative, Kyle Biederman, a friend of mine, and, um, and somebody who I work closely with, uh, came out publicly. He was the very first state representative to say, Dennis Bonin should resign. Um, Kyle Biederman sees that his obligation as a public official is to the public, not the private club of legislators that exists. And that's something remarkable that we should commend, not condemn. Commend, not condemn. These men and women who actually went out and said, this is a problem, it doesn't reflect our values, should be the ones that we give credit to. Leadership is revealed by those who called this what it was publicly as public officials. It's not revealed by those who hid and who waited for Dennis Bonin to decide if he was going to stick around uh, before they were willing to go out and say uh, that his actions were unbefitting of a speaker and therefore he should not remain speaker. In fact, many of the people who went out and said it even after just refused to say he shouldn't be speaker as the result of his actions, which actually further is further revealed in his own statement about this issue. Because the district attorney locally decided not to prosecute Dennis several days after uh, they came out and she came out and said, I'm not going to be prosecuting him for criminal activity, and this is what he said. Today's decision by the district attorney deflates Michael Sullivan's entire reason for going public three months ago. That according to him, the speaker solicited a bribe and broke the law. Unfortunately, we now live in a political climate where one is guilty until proven innocent. And not only has that thrown the ability of Republicans to hold on to our House majority into jeopardy, it sets a dangerous precedent moving forward. Speaker Bonin fully cooperated through the investigation. Out of respect for the process, refrained from publicly weighing in on the matter until its final decision. He appreciates the Rangers' thorough examination and the DA's confirmation... Uh, the DA's confirmation, I'm pulling this up on, um, confirmation of no wrongdoing. While justice prevailed today, unfortunately, the damage has been done. Mm. Mm. This is really sad. So, the DA evidently confirmed that no wrongdoing occurred. Wow. It's interesting to really reveal the standard which the Speaker of the Texas House, the current Speaker of the Texas House, actually holds. No wrongdoing. The DA comes out and says, we've decided not to prosecute him for a felony. And he says, 
I told you, I didn't do anything wrong. Here's what is even more unfortunate is that even me speaking out on this issue and still today saying, just saying, yes, Dennis, you did something wrong, is going to cause pressure, not only on me, but anybody else who says this. Everybody knows that there's tons of Republicans throughout the party that are just continuing to say, stop talking about it. Don't say anything. Let it go away. But they want it to go away without even acknowledging themselves what happened. And they still have a speaker that is saying, I didn't do anything wrong. It's dangerous when we say, when we can't even unanimously as Republicans come together and say, trying to deceive all of us is wrong. It's a sad situation. Intentionally misleading us with statements that try to cover up your actions in order to maintain your power should not allow you to remain the second most powerful elected official in Texas. A majority of the Republican caucus didn't even want to say it. Some were just worried. Many still supported Dennis. Many still wish that he was able. But I'm really thrilled that, that a pretty significant majority, and I'll tell you that, I mean, I really do think that there were uh, 50 to 60 plus members of the Republican caucus that were very much against Dennis Bond and maintaining it. Some that weren't willing to go out and say it publicly, that's unfortunate, but uh, at least I know that personally they had that conviction. Um, and there, there are, uh, there's a group of, of 20 or so that um, if, if they could rewind and still find a way for, for Dennis to remain speaker, they would do it. I am very hopeful that um, Republicans will learn from this and that the coalition that forms to move forward within the next process of electing a speaker will be one that is willing to make some changes in the House, the culture of the House, um, because it is in desperate need of reform. And even Dennis's final statements were more revealing to us the grassroots of just how broken and toxic that culture was. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode. Uh, I want to get out before we hit the 20-minute mark. And um, if you haven't subscribed yet, please consider doing so. If uh, you have not left us a review, please do that as well. Uh, that helps us within the different search rankings of uh, Google Podcast or Apple Podcast or YouTube or anything like that. So uh, leave any reviews you can. Subscribe. If you go to LukeMacias.com, you can give us your email and you'll just get a weekly email of our episode for the week so you can get it delivered directly to your inbox. I'm so grateful for those of you who continue to support the show, even a couple of you that have gone online and uh, made small monthly donations. We just use that to continue to put uh, more money behind uh, advertising this show to more Texans so that we can build a bigger following. And I'm super grateful for those of you who have done that. And I know I've expressed that to you privately, but just want to thank you publicly here as well. Um, have a wonderful week, ladies and gentlemen, and God bless you. Thank you for listening to The Luke Messiah Show. If you value this content and want our message to spread, please consider three of the following steps. One, Subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you're listening to us on and leave us a review. Two, visit LukeMacias.com and sign up for our email alerts. And three, follow Raz and I on Twitter and visit my Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. Again, that's facebook.com forward slash Luke Macias, Texas. 
Thank you so much, and God bless. 